Have you ever been sent? If you have brothers or sisters, I imagine you probably have been. I know, I know the way it works at my house. My wife, Stephanie, she'll often say to Emma, our oldest, hey, Emma, go tell Bree and Pierce it's time to clean up and come inside. And you know, when they first had this uh, responsibility that they could be sent, that they could be mama's messengers, you know, they, they would go and they would puff out their chest a little bit. And Emma would say, hey, hey, Bree, it's time to come inside. And Bree might protest and say, no, 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 I don't want to come inside yet. And then Emma would say, mama said. You know, and that kind of changed things, right? Because Emma's not just going under her own authority. She's going under the authority of mama. And that makes a difference. But sometimes, you know, we, we can forget that we've been sent with this authority. You know, Bree, when, when she got to be old enough to be sent by, by Steph, she would go and, and she would see um, Emma. And at first, you know, it was, it was kind of cool that she could get to boss her big sister around with mama's authority. You know, hey, mama said, you got to do it. But then after a while, you know, Bree, she's just our little stinker a little bit. And so she'll go and she'll forget that she's been sent with the message altogether. She'll just see Emma having fun. And she, just, she just jumps in the fun, right? She forgets to relay the message. Or other times she'll kind of take advantage of the authority she's been given. And, you know, and the, the, the task was, the message was that, hey, we all need to clean up the mess together. But Bree will change it around a little bit and say, hey, mama said you got to clean it all up yourself. Have you ever been sent? You know, whether, whether you realize it or not, if you're a Christian, you have been. You've been sent to a, to a lost and dying world under the authority of the God of the universe with the only message of hope in life. But you know what? Sometimes we forget it. So, sometimes we just get so comfortable and just doing life that we forget that we've been sent. Or other times, we kind of adjust the message that we've been sent with to fit our needs a little bit because we don't want to be too offensive. We don't want to rub people the wrong way. As we finish up this series, How to Live Right Side Up in an Upside Down World, it's a series where we've kind of looked at where Jesus says true happiness comes from, where true fulfillment, real satisfaction, where it can be found. And it's the greatest message in the history of the world. And this final message, it, it, these final Beatitudes, it takes us to a place where we would never dream of looking, the world could never conceive of. Go ahead, look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. It really is an unbelievable conclusion to the Beatitudes. And as the world searches for happiness, for fulfillment, Jesus, in the greatest sermon ever given, he says, this is how to live fully alive. It's our theme for VBS this week, how to live fully alive, how to live an amped life. I mean, you can see the stage. It's going to be awesome. But this is what the Beatitudes are all about. This is how to live a fully alive life, how to live an amped life, how to live an excited, a satisfied, a joyful life. And as, we, as we've seen this progression throughout the Beatitudes, now, now we see that Jesus will conclude just in a place that no one would imagine. Let's go ahead and look at it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
See, in this upside-down world, Jesus continues to instruct us on the only way to live a right-side-up life. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers. The, the world will tell you that it's happy are the peaceful. You know, happy are those who just can kind of get along with everybody. If, if you want to be happy, just keep your nose to the ground sometimes. Don't, don't cause any waves. Don't, don't stir up any trouble. Just, you know, you'll be much more satisfied if you can just live an undisturbed life. Again, Jesus' words are totally different. He says, you'll be happy if you are a peacemaker. Now, now the only way that there needs to be peace is if there's conflict. I mean, if you're already at peace, you don't need a peacemaker to come and deliver peace because you're already at peace. So he's sending us, this this beatitude implies that you're going into conflict. That there's conflict that's taking place and you're going to go right in the middle of that. Right into the middle of life's problems and life's issues. You know, the world will tell you what you really need is a problem-free philosophy. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. What you really need is to take the only message of relief and give it to a dying world. You've got to share the gospel. Share the gospel. Tell the world of the ultimate peacemaker who created a good right-side-up world, but humanity, due to our sin, turned it upside down. And in this upside-down world, we are separated from God, but God so loved the world that he would send his one and only son, Jesus Christ who lived a life that we could never live, and he died a death for us, for you and me, so that we can be reconciled to him, so he could pay for all of our sin, and so that we could be in right standing with him if we just believe that by faith. And this is how to live a right-side-up life in an upside-down world. Now, you got to take this message to the world. you got to believe that, and you got to share with others how they can be at peace with God. Christ made peace for us, and now we're sent with this ultimate message of peace to a problem-riddled world, a lost and dying world. We're told, Paul will tell us that we are ambassadors for Christ. This is who we are. We're Christ ambassadors. It's part of our identity, core to being a Christian, that we've been sent. You know, an ambassador is one who has been sent into a foreign territory. And you've been sent on behalf of someone else. The marching orders are clear here. Go to this territory, this foreign territory, on behalf of me, and give these people the message that I want them to have. Develop this relationship so that the relationship between this country and this country can be smoothed because you're an ambassador. But sometimes we forget that we're ambassadors. Sometimes we forget that we've been sent, you know, because we just start living our lives, and life is busy. We've got, we've got so many things to do, and the world whispers to us, this is your home. You, you belong here. Just make a good life for yourself right here. You know, the here and now, that's what's really important. Just, just make it well here. We, we forget that, that we've been sent on behalf of someone else to a, to a foreign country, a foreign nation. We get, we get comfortable because life is good. And after all, home doesn't need an ambassador, you know. And this is home, so home doesn't need an ambassador. But Jesus, he says something altogether different. He says, no, 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 you've been sent. You've been given the gospel of peace by the God of peace. And now you got to go and you got to share. They're they're not just going to come to you. you got to go. you got to take the message. So we have a tendency to be more concerned about just how things going for us and 
You know, if someone cuts us off on the road and just, you know, what's happening in our lives, then, then we are concerned about that maybe there's more people at the Walmart parking lot on a Sunday morning than our church parking lot. See, we've we got to have a heart that says, oh, I'm, I'm just dying for these people. I've been sent on behalf of the Almighty God to these people. I'm an ambassador. So I pray that we'll be so convinced of this message, so convinced of our marching orders, so convinced that the God of the universe has put us in this culture at this time with this message of hope. It's the only message of hope there is in the whole world. And it's the gospel that we must share. It's not our message. We didn't invent it. We, we didn't never come up with the Beatitudes. I mean, no, no this, this just totally flies in the face of human wisdom. But, but this is the message of God. And so when we speak his truth, we, we speak with his authority. It's his authority that backs us up. And he says, hey, I'm sending you to be a peacemaker, to be an ambassador. And it's an honor to be an ambassador, you know. It's an honor to be chosen, to be a, to be a peacemaker, to go on behalf of someone else. But, but when you really think about it, there are only three things that really matter when you have this message to share. The, the only three things that really matter are the one who has sent you, the message that you've been given to convey, and the people to whom you must deliver the message. I mean, after all, when you get right down to it, those are the only three things that really matter. The one sending you, the message you must convey, and then the people to whom you must deliver the message. It's kind of like when you get something in the mail, you get a letter in the mail. And, you know, you're excited. Who, who would write me? And this is really exciting. Someone decided to, to write me a note. And you wonder, well, what did they say to me? I wonder what they wrote. And you have fun reading it, and, and, and it makes you feel good that someone would take the time to send a letter to you. But what you don't do, what you don't do is say, you know, I wonder who the mailman was who put that letter in my box. Because, you know, if it only came from this one mailman, you know, if it came from any other mailman, I don't want to read it. I only want to read the letter if that one mailman put it in my box. No, none of us do that, right? Because it doesn't really matter. The, the mailman is ultimately inconsequential. The, the main thing is that the message from the person gets to you in the proper message. It, it's who is sending it, on whose authority has the message been given, the message itself, and the people to whom the message must be given. And that kind of, that's kind of a humbling thought. And you never get there. You never get to being a peacemaker unless you've progressed through the other Beatitudes. You know, we've kind of walked through it, and we've kind of seen that there's a bit of a progression through the Beatitudes. Unless you're poor in spirit and you realize that there's a God bigger than you. There's a God who has a message bigger than your message. Unless you get to a place where you're mourning over your sin because you recognize how sin separates from God. Unless you get to a place where you're meek and you've got this power under control, it's not, it's not your authority that you're standing up for, but you're going to, with gentleness, with respect, stand up for the authority of another. Unless you hunger and thirst for righteousness and desire to please God above all else, unless you're merciful to others, giving people what they need rather than what they deserve, unless you're pure in heart seeking to live for him alone, Unless you progress through the Beatitudes, then you will probably never go on the offensive. T taking this gospel of peace to a world in disarray. It's, it's possible to be a Christian and not to live a happy, satisfied, blessed, joyful, fully alive life 
Because you've forgotten you've been sent. You, you, you've forgotten the reason which Christ has saved you. So the, the promise with this beatitude is that the peacemakers will be called sons of God. Sons of God. I mean, you just think about that for a moment. This promise that you'll be called sons of God. It's a promise that John just couldn't get over. I mean, in his old age, in his letter in 1 John chapter 3, he wrote, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, has lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know this, that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And did you hear as John's writing this letter, he's just repeating himself that we are called the children of God. And so we are, and that is what we are. Beloved, we are God's children. Do you hear him? He's just repeating himself. He's making sure that they understand. He's writing to a culture as people are turning their backs and going to the world, and they're ignoring God. And he's writing, and he's pleading with them to stay connected to God. And he's saying, don't you understand? You're children of God. And this is what you are. It, it sounds kind of elementary. We're children of God. But just, just let it sink in for a moment. Just think about it for a moment, because you know God could call you something else. He, he could say something else about you, but instead he calls you his child. If you're a peacemaker, if you know God, he calls you his. John Im implies in this context that it doesn't really matter what the world says about you. It doesn't even really matter what you say about yourself. What really matters is what God says about you. And he calls you his child. Believe what God says about you. See, the, the fact is God has called you his, so believe what God says about you. The, the fact that God would call you his child, this is language of legitimation. He's saying that the father has named the child, and this signifies ownership of that child, adoption of that child into his family. It's not simply that we get to call ourselves children of God. I mean, that's something anybody can do. You hear the world say it all the time. Well, we're all children of God, right? I mean, you've heard that. Not so, not according to this text, not according to Scripture. We're not all children of God. See, sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm God's child and what that means. Because some, we can be tempted to say other things about ourselves. We can, we can be tempted to call ourselves something else. You know, we can, we can be tempted to say, I, I'm, I'm a loser, I'm a poor student. I'm, I'm unattractive. I'm not good at anything. I'm, I'm a failure. I, I'm, I'm so dumb. And God says, I, I hear what you say about you. I hear what you say about yourself. Let me tell you what I call you. You are mine. I, I have chosen you. I have adopted you into my family. I will claim you. I will own you. I will put my arm around you. You are mine. There's this parable in the 12th chapter of Luke about a rich businessman. And this businessman, he's got crops and everything, and they're just going bananas. I mean, they're just, they're just exploding. And he's, and he's looking at it, and he's thinking to himself, what am I going to do? I mean, these crops, they're, just, they're just, just going bananas, and I don't have any place to store all this stuff. And so he thinks to himself, you know, I'm just going to have to tear down the barns that I have and build bigger ones to store all of my crops. And then he said to himself, soul, it's time to eat your drink or it's time to take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. 
But God said to him, you fool. See, see the, the rich businessman, he was probably saying to himself, I, I've been a shrewd businessman. I, I've, I've taken care of my stuff so well. I've, I've managed everything. I've been such a good steward of everything that I have. Life is going well. It's time to just get ready for retirement here. I've, I've done well for myself. This is probably what he's saying about himself. But God says, you fool. And his opinion is the only one that really matters. See, what, what you say about yourself pales in comparison to what God, it doesn't even really matter. But we want to believe what God says about us. We want to think rightly before God. We want to think rightly about ourselves, why we're here, because he sent us. This is not our home. We're just passing through. It really doesn't matter what you say about you. The only thing that matters is what God calls you. And God says, hey, you're to be my peacemakers. This is how you'll be happy. This is how you'll be satisfied. This is how you'll live a fully alive life. (laughs) He's told us how. But sometimes we forget it. Jesus, he he finishes up the Beatitudes. And this this last one, it's so hard to stomach. It's so radical. It's it's so unbelievable. It's laughable, really, where, where Jesus will take this to. No one would believe that what Jesus is about to say could possibly produce happiness. It's so unbelievable that Jesus repeats himself, this last beatitude. Let me read it to you again. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The the, the world hears this and laughs, and it will tell you, no, 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 no. There's not one ounce of common sense in what Jesus is saying here. This here will definitely not produce happiness. Persecution, false accusations. Suffering all kinds of evil, being uttered about, being slandered, being tormented, all on account of somebody else? That's a recipe for pain, not not pleasure. The the world will tell you that if you want to be happy, you you just need to live and let live. Don't, Don't go poking a bear. I mean, there's two things that you don't talk about in culture. You don't talk about politics or religion if you want to be happy. These are the rules to live by. And Jesus comes and he takes this teaching on true happiness all the way up the ladder to a place that just sounds crazy. But then again, of course it would because we're living in an upside down world. See, the consequences of being a peacemaker are amplified now. Just as Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, he gave his life to bring peace. Jesus now says that those who willingly allow themselves to be marginalized, those who willingly will allow themselves to be slandered and tormented and perhaps even killed, those are the ones who will be happy. Those are the ones who will live a fully alive, joyful life. We've been sent to a difficult place. This, this is a world at enmity with God, against God, an upside-down world. 
You know, some have joked to me about, you know, coming here from Seattle to Portsmouth and, you know, being from the left coast. And I laugh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny and it's true. I mean, Seattle and Portsmouth, they're, the culture's different, all right? It's, it's, not, it's not the same, but I can tell you, I've had the privilege of being able to do ministry in a number of different states and also on several continents in Africa and Asia and over in, in India. And, and I can tell you this, every culture is dead. That dead is dead that the whole world is upside down. You you don't get a little more alive. No, no, dead is dead. You don't get less dead. Dead is dead. And there is no political message. There is no self-help book. There is no amount of worldly wisdom that will bring life. It is exclusively the gospel of Jesus Christ that can make a dead man alive. And this is the message that we've been sent with This is the message that we get to proclaim as a church to a lost and dying world. We have the only message of life. But sometimes we back down because it's hard. Because we we don't want to be slandered. We, We don't want people to talk poor of us. We don't want to be left out. It's nice to fit in. It's nice for people to talk well of us. It's nice to be accepted. We, we don't want the labels. And so we back down, we, we, we take a watered-down message that won't put us at odds with our culture. And we think sometimes, can I just be a Christian and just let them live however they, they want to live? I don't know if that's really my gift, you know, evangelism and, and sharing the gospel. I, I don't know. Jesus is letting us know in this in this in these beatitudes, and he's not holding any punches. He says, if you want to live a fully alive life, you're going to experience some confrontation in life. There's going to be some persecution. Paul in Romans, he, he addressed the question because believers are questioning, hey, would God possibly cease to love us? I mean, when I look around and I see the, the persecution that the church is under in Rome, And what Nero is doing to the church. I mean, could this be a sign that God has stopped loving us? That God has just kind of withheld his hand from us? And Paul writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then right in the middle of his thought, he just throws this tribulation psalm right into the middle of it. And he says, as it is written, for your sake, that is for God's sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul, right in the middle of his thought, he gives us this prophetic description of what will take place during the tribulation times and the martyrdom of believers that will happen there, all for the sake of God. And he is anticipating the question. But Paul, surely, when I look at my fellow Christian, I see them being burned alive, and I see them being impaled, and they're, they're being drowned, and they're being lit on fire, and they're being beheaded. I mean, surely, this is evidence that, that God has stopped loving us that he stopped protecting us. And then Paul answers that question, and he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I, am, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Of what manner of love is this? What type of love is this? What country or universe did this love come from? A love that conquers death, a love that laughs in the face of evil, a love that stands by no matter what, no matter the demons or the powers, a love that will never separate. What type of love is this? It is only the love of God. This love cannot be found anywhere else. And he says, this is the message that you've been sent with. And this is the God who stands behind you as you proclaim that message, that he will love you no matter what, no matter how difficult things get when we share the gospel, his love stands behind us. That the victory has already been won. And so there is no room for passivity, there is no room for timidity. It's like when you've been sent with the message from mama, you just puff out your chest and you say confidently and boldly, mama said, because mama has a lot of authority in the house. God has sent you and he has all authority in all of the universe so we get to proclaim this message with boldness. Gently, respectfully, lovingly, but at the same time, boldly. Because this is the only message of life. It's the only message of hope. It's our purpose. You might think, well, this sounds hard. It's not my gift. You know, I don't want to impose God says, no, it's not easy. So I've given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now go impose. By all means, impose. Gently, lovingly, respectfully, yet boldly and passionately impose because this is the message given by God for you to deliver to them. It's the only message that can restore creation to her creator. It's It's hard. But having, having trained a lot of people to have gospel conversations, trained many people for mission trips and things like this, I've never had one person come back to me and say, you know, Steve, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. I really wish I wouldn't have shared the gospel with that person. No one has ever said that to me. I was training pastors in India, and, and really they could have trained me. But, but as I was training them, I noticed that many of them had scars and so I asked them, hey, I noticed you have a lot of scars. They're like, well, why do you all have scars? And they said, well, when they go into these remote Hindu villages, that the Hindu priests there, they, they get upset. And so they send their hitmen after them. And they come back and they, they got scars. They're risking their life for the gospel. And I asked, well, do you ever get afraid? Do you ever, do you ever get scared as you go? And they laughed. They laughed at me, and they said, no, this is why we're here. This is our mission. This is what we're supposed to do. How could we not do this? You know, it's the same thing. It's the same response that Peter and the apostles had in Acts chapter 5. I encourage you to read it this afternoon if you get a chance. Uh, The Sanhedrin, they, they want to shut them up. They want to shut up the apostles, and they're, they're pondering possibly killing them. And what they end up doing is they just they flog them, and they beat them, and they, and they threaten them, never speak of the gospel again. 
And then Peter and the apostles, they leave after being flogged. I'm sure they're limping, they can't stand up straight, they're hurting. But at the same time, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be persecuted for the sake of Christ. They were living a fully alive life. The world looks at it and thinks, how could you possibly rejoice at such a thing? Say, well, this is what I was made for. This is what I was created to do. And when you live what God has created you to do, there is happiness. There's joy. There is happiness in being harassed. It's almost unexplainable to anybody else, except that when you're living the life the way God intends life to be lived, there's joy. There's joy. It's, it's an unexplainable joy because we're living in an upside-down world. The world would never think to look there. But God says this is the only way to live right side up. I, I, I want to just read through the Beatitudes with you one more time. Beginning in Matthew 5, chapter 1. It says, Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Even after a series like this, I know that some may protest and say, you know, Steve, those are, those are great words. They're, they're beautiful words. They're sweet words. They, 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 they're the type of words that are nice just to put in fancy letters and hang up in a house. They're, they're the kind of words that look good just stitched on a pillow. But this is not really the way the world works. That, that if I really tried to live like this, I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You've got to look out for number one. You don't want to make any waves. You've got to live and let live. That, that's how you get ahead. That, that, that's how you can be happy. See, that's how the world works. Jesus, he, he just, he, maybe he doesn't quite understand the modern world and how it works. Jesus says, I know how the world works. I'm trying to get you to understand how the kingdom works. Because if you understand how the kingdom works, you will live right side up in an upside down world. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the only message of life, the only message of hope. And God, more than that, that you've invited us to be a part of sharing this message to others. You, you give us the privilege of being your ambassadors, of being peacemakers, that, that you've sent us into a lost and dying world 
with the good news of the gospel. And so God, even, even uh, tonight as we prepare for VBS and the awesome week ahead, there are many here who look forward to just sharing this gospel of peace to kids who need to be reconciled to their creator. So right now, I just want to give us as a church just a few minutes just to pray for VBS, for all the kids who are coming, for all the leaders who will be sharing the gospel, that gospel conversations would happen. Just go ahead and take a couple moments and pray for that. You can come forward to the stage if you'd like.